So the challenge with women in general is they have forgot about themselves first. It's always about everything and everybody else around them before them. You're listening to The Wholehearted Podcast and I'm your host, Cohen Tan. I'm on a mission to set hearts free and inspire people to break out of their self-limitations to create the life of their dreams. Each episode, I speak to people around the world who live with vigor, courage and authenticity. And I hope their stories can inspire you. So sit back, relax and enjoy this episode. Hello listeners, for this special episode on the International Women's Month, we want to celebrate the brave decisions and actions of the women who have been on our podcast. We look back on the highlights of some of the previous episodes and we notice something in common. All of the women on this show have had to exercise tremendous courage to live their lives wholeheartedly. So now, let's explore. First of all, it is important to define what it means to live boldly. To some, living boldly would mean to pursue their dreams and goals in spite of their fears. However, to many others, making choices to prioritize family and personal needs can also be defined as living boldly. For example, stay-at-home moms are living life boldly when they choose to be available to their children and family consciously. Women who choose flexibility of work because they have young families or elderly parents are making bold choices because they may not progress as quickly. In fact, there has been a recent spate of examples of this. For example, Jacinta Ardern declared that she no longer have enough in the tank to fulfil her role as the Prime Minister of New Zealand and want to spend more time with her children. Former CEO of Yahoo, Marissa Mayer, took a step back from her career to focus on her family. Former PepsiCo CEO Indra Nui stepped down to spend more time with her family. She shared that she felt guilty for not being there for her children when they were growing up and wanted to prioritise her family more. Hollywood actress Jennifer Garner has taken breaks from her careers to focus on her family, saying that being a mother is the most important role in her life. Since there are so many definitions of living boldly from women that I've met and spoken to, I shall define living boldly as the courage to go after what they want in the face of the barriers that they encounter. And here's the thing, whether you're a woman or a man, as you listen to this episode, you'll find many of the themes and ideas covered to be relevant and useful to you too. So sit back, enjoy, and learn together. One of the barriers is how women were raised very differently from men. I must admit that I've not thought much about this until my friend, leadership speaker and coach Srijata Bhatnagar mentioned this. The way we bring up a female child versus a male child differs significantly. And from there on, we start putting limitations in her mind. Oh, you can't do this. Oh, you're too fragile for trying that. Oh, you're too soft for this. Oh, you, you are a girl. You shouldn't be even going out in the night. You shouldn't be mingling with strangers. You shouldn't be laughing too loud. You shouldn't be sitting your legs apart, which I do all the time, by the way. I cannot sit ladylike. So these are some of the things. Oh, you can't talk loud. 
you can't talk back to elders or whatever whatever those things so first thing is that since childhood we are teaching them that they are lesser or smaller or softer but they have to reduce their space hmm that's so relatable i feel the pressure too of being raised as a man who cannot cry Imelda Sutisna is someone I've known for many years. She always appears very upbeat and enthusiastic. Therefore, I was surprised at what she's about to say. Um, you know, girls can be a little bit bitchy with each other, you know, and and um, there's a sense of jealousy. Maybe, the, maybe, you know, growing up in that social pressure, you know, media pressure uh, pushes you to be better than another girl, you know, and and you feel that you just have to be prettier, better, smarter, sexier, you know, um, slimmer, whatever it is, and and you feel good. But but I I tell myself, you know, we, we need to be thinking, we need to uplift another woman. I think it's so important. Kim Underhill is a powerhouse in the women empowerment space in Singapore. She co-founded She Brilliance Movement, a women leadership community that encourages more business and professional women to step up to advance women through its mentorship programs. Here's what she has to say on the topic especially being in Asia. The Asian culture is very big in the sense that women to be, you are to be seen, not to be heard, right? Everything is boy first, you know? Things like, okay, why don't you give your brother a chance to do this first? Why don't you hold back first? Everything is about unconsciously. I don't think parents did it consciously. They, uh, very often they did it unconsciously, like, oh, why don't you just let him do something? So it becomes a cultural thing. If this upbringing is so unconscious, yet has been so entrenched in our psyche and culture, how can we overcome this barrier? Here's Kim and Imelda again. I always say, because often the challenges is all in your head. It's mental, right? It's psychological. If you can slowly translate that psychological thought into, onto a piece of paper so that you can see it, you can put an action to it, before you know it, you will start eliminating all the negativity. Um. Or I can say I use my pain experience and become better, you know. So I'm very determined today that I'm not going to try that same method with my kids. I give my kids a lot of assurance. Um, you know, I give them a lot of acceptance. I try a different method of talking to them, you know, counseling them, being their friend. We, we improve. We learn from bad experiences and we tell ourselves that we have to do it better. Um, again, I'm not perfect. My kids may be a better parent next time with their kids. But I want to make sure that whatever mistakes or whatever pain that was caused to me, I don't cause the same pain and make the same mistakes to my kids. Jessica Fabrizi is someone who impressed me when I first met her because she speaks so many different languages. Today, she's a personal PR strategist. We hear how her upbringing has shaped her. I think my biggest supporter has always been my mom since I was a child and when I was a teenager and she would send me, you know, to all of these countries in order to, to, to study languages and learn and practice, especially all of these languages. Um, she's always supported me also in my professional life and through the, the ups and downs, because let's face it, of course, I've been working for 16 years since I was 25. Of course, I've had my lows as well. And she was always there, always there, always encouraging me. That's a beautiful story. My friend Yana Fry is a coach and left the home country of Russia very young. Today, Yana travels around the world and helps individuals ignite their minds, hearts and spirit to create a happy, 
healthy and fulfilled life. Well, my mom, it is because she was the parent that I grew up with. And, uh, and she, uh, she is just one of those incredible examples of parenting where no matter what you do as a child, they still love you. And I find it's such an incredible lesson. You know, so with my mom, we went through all kinds of stages. I, we had nice periods, not so nice periods. We had periods when I would rebel and, and, and run away from home. We had periods when I would shut her off from my life and not talk to her for a few years. Like we had everything, you know, throughout our relationships. She never gave up on me. Like, so oh. there, she was always there. And she never withdrew her love, regardless of my behavior or my words or my action, you know, as daughter. And I find so just that lesson of itself and and having a parent who is like this, to me, it has been huge learning uh, and support over the years. That's a really nice way to round it up. I really believe that the same gender parent plays an important role in shaping a person growing up. Therefore, for women, their relationships with their moms are profoundly powerful in shaping their sense of themselves as women. In 1992, a book was published that has for decades created common stereotypes. Men are from Mars and women are from Venus by Dr. John Gray sold over 15 million copies. The central theme of the book is that most common relationship problems between men and women are a result of fundamental psychological differences between the sexes. While it was useful as a shorthand for understanding how men and women view situations differently, unfortunately, it has been taken too literally in my opinion and has become part of mainstream stereotypes. I cringe every time I hear men say, but ain't women more emotional? Or when women say, but men are not emotional at all. Well, they haven't met me. These stereotypes, in my opinion, stand in the way rather than aid in mutual understanding. Again, here's Imelda. I think that sometimes we fall into the rut of being too emotional at the workplace. And it just reinforces people's labels on us that we are an emotional creature, you know. Uh, and I, 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 it does irritate me to a certain point that we actually can have better emotional intelligence and control over the way we react um, that will not label us this way, right? And, and, and those are discriminatory um, thoughts and, and labels that we need to slowly change. Um, how sometimes people feel that we cannot make decisions, you know, <laughs> again, it just reminds me of the time where I follow my friends shopping for a simple item and she can take like two hours and in the end, she don't buy that item, you know? So, so yeah, there, there, there will be times that, you know, the way we behave, we, we just reinforce that. But, but again, you know, at the workplace, I think, I think we can have, we can be a bit more decisive. Yep. And the other common saying is that women bosses are more nitpicking, micromanaging compared to men who are more big picture. This does nothing to help perceptions of women's suitabilities as leaders. People also often make assumptions about women that may not be helpful to them. For example, not being considered for promotion just because people assume they are not interested in their career or assuming that the husband is the one in the lead. Or they may even say something like, oh, this is not for you. This 
can have severe effect on women's confidence and when they hear that enough, they start to doubt themselves. Lilian Ong is another trailblazer in the women empowerment space, the founder of Women of Courage Asia, a community which inspires and empowers women to live with courage, purpose and freedom. Let's hear what solutions she proposed for overcoming these stereotypes. I think in this area, I want to touch on vulnerability. Yeah, because um, this can come from both, both gender, you know, to, be, uh, to have the courage to be vulnerable. Being a male, you know, you, I, we used to hear this a lot. You're, you're a boy, you're a man, you know, men don't cry. Really? Men don't cry? Men cannot cry? Are you sure? Yeah. So, um, and therefore, you know, if you cry, you are being weak, right? So that is also a, an expectation and a standard. But being a great leader, being a, a leader that has the power of influence must take the courage to be vulnerable. And being vulnerable is not weakness. It actually requires a lot of courage to be vulnerable to the people that you're working with. Yeah, it is all about, leadership is all about the power of influence, regardless of whether you're male or female. Yeah, with male and female gender, just the uh, different shape, your different skill sets that you may have, different ways that you may be wired. Every individual is very unique and different. Personally, I try my best to eradicate these barriers in people's minds when I have the opportunity. For example, in my workshops, when people use these stereotypes, I'll try to share examples to the contrary so that I can change their perceptions. Another one of the biggest barriers is the expectations of family and society on women. I think this is largely a result of the first two barriers we have discussed previously, upbringing and common stereotypes. Here's Kim and Lillian again. Because of the responsibility of family, especially women either having to do elder care or child care, they felt that with that, that becomes priority. So the challenge with women in general is they have forgot about themselves first. It's always about everything and everybody else around them before them. Once and motherhood kicks in, <laughs> Yeah, that's where, you know, uh, that's one area, one moment in our life where we may struggle with identity issue. Because before that, especially for those who gave up their career, put their career on hold, yeah, and especially when we were doing very well in our career, and then we decided, it, although it's our choice, you know, we decided to put our career on hold, and then, you know, to be a full-time mom, Day in, day out, diapers, milk, vomit, <laughs> regurgitation and all that. Yeah, so that's where I started to question, you know, uh, about my identity uh, and who am I. Because that's when like, when all titles, designation, achievement and all that are stripped away, who am I? I wasn't ready to be a mother at 26 when I was conceived. Yeah, so I, I was... Um, I knew building my career, my career was on the rise. And when the kid comes along, I, I wasn't ready to be a mother. But because of that unconscious um, culture and expectations, you know, so that probably have affected my decision. One of the factors, one of the factors 
uh, that uh, contributed to my decision-making process to give my career on hold. And the responsible thing to do, yeah, and as a woman and as, you know, if you are married and be a mother, right, the mom, being a mom, being a full-time mom, yeah, is the next best decision that you should make. You know, your career should put on hold. Automatically, that is like a no-brainer. <laughs> but does that really, you know, does it mean that, you know, every mom, when every woman, when you are become, when you become a mom, you should put your career on hold? I don't think so. <laughs> Hearing this, I can only empathize with the women on how much they have to juggle in their minds and their hearts. Here's Kim with a refreshing perspective on this. I have experienced women who gave up the opportunity to for a job posting somewhere else simply because she felt that, oh, I need to be here to support my husband. It is fine if they make that decision. Unfortunately, two years down the road, they will be complaining about it. Whenever there's an argument, that got raised up. So it's like, you know, so they are not ready. They did it for the sake of doing it because you're the man. I should support you. Rather than doing wholeheartedly, you know, to accept the fact that, yes, I'm going to support you. So it's okay that I take a back seat for a couple of years. So that, that is something that, you know, realization that women needs to, especially married women or couple women, they have to realize that what they are, it's a decision. It's not a sacrifice. The minute they see it as a sacrifice, it becomes very negative. I agree. Women have to make those choices consciously and not unconsciously because of what society or their families expect them to. Who decides that it's a women's role to sacrifice anyway? So the thing is, it's not who decides, it's women themselves decide. Like, as you say, we talk about culturally, right? The way they are raised. The way they are raised is that, oh, women, you're responsible for the household, even if you want to go and get a job. The home is still something that you have to be responsible for. So hence, it's already inbuilt into them. Into them that, oh, the first thing I must think about is my family. So family means, you know, my parents, my children, my husband, and everything else that comes with it. So ultimately, it becomes their responsibility. Yasmin Carter is a speaker and founder of the Sales Story Method. Here's a refreshing take on this topic. Actually, the only person who is caging ourselves up is ourselves. Mm -hmm. And the way I describe it, I call it the invisible jury that we have created in our heads. Uh, and my jury was really hard. Like I had like my mom, her Asian heritage, and then I had my dad's Arab heritage. And then I went to like an English Western school. And then I had my aunties and my uncles and but even in Egypt like the doorman's opinion mattered so like you're constantly having to operate like from everyone else to make them feel happy and to make them feel good and that is in itself like quite restrictive because you're not actually choosing what you want for yourself but you're trying to operate in terms of being good for everyone else invisible jury I love it. Yasmin shared on her full podcast episode on how we could change who we choose to be on this jury in our lives. Now, from Egypt to Russia, let's hear Yana's experiences growing up. And I think as a woman, particularly as a Russian woman at the time, I felt that there was not much freedom. Society was still very patriarchal. 
And it was kind of like, if you're not with the man, you don't have much to say, you know, you don't have much voice, you don't have much value, you don't have much opportunities and kind of the, the whole worth of a woman would sort of be perceived through a, not just a man, but a husband that she has, right? So if she doesn't have a husband, she kind of half of a woman. And um, so there was just like a lot of pressure around that. You live in a patriarchal society, of course, like it was before Me Too movement, right? So there are tons of cases of men taking advantage, you know, at the workplaces. So it would women just constantly stressed and kind of haunted, you know, in a way. So of course you don't feel free. And you have you feel like you have to constantly watch your back about everything. And um, and so I left. As you face the challenges of living up to your own and others' expectations, you may sometimes feel lost and lonely. However, know that you're not alone. We are here to support you in leaning courageously into your heart's promptings. If you'd like more tips, resources, and to learn more about how you can live more wholeheartedly, or to book me as a speaker, trainer, or coach, please go to coentan.com. That's C-O-E-N-T-A-N.com. So how can we overcome the mammoth barriers of family and societal expectations? Someone I recognize as a strong advocate with unconventional views is my friend Yo Sha En, who calls herself the happiness scientist. She is someone who has made many bold decisions in her life, which have paid off. Let's hear what she has to say. I will be very honest. Of course, it affects me. I'm only human. But I guess it's how long it's, are other people's remarks going to affect you? And if their remarks affect you so often and with such intensity, then how are you going to live your full life? So I guess at some point, it's about drawing boundaries and saying like, okay, I recognize your concern and I appreciate uh, that you're thinking about me for me. Uh, but also then I will explain that you know, we've thought this through, we've had conversations with both the daughters, we've got contingency plans, a practice of knowing yourself, um, communicating it, while also being respectful that other people have their opinion and that's okay. Well said, drawing boundaries are so important, but that's easier said than done, right? What will help people to set and maintain effective and healthy boundaries? I think when I was in teaching, there was also some internal conflict. I guess maybe I'm a very sensorial person. And when I go through every day, my body and my emotions give me a lot of information. But it's not bad here, right? I'm getting a salary. People respect me. It's a respectable career to be in. I get to touch lives, which I did. Um, I get to learn so much. Um, and there's a possibility that I could go very far here. So it's almost like, you know, there's always one side of you that's very cautious, which is the survival side saying, you know, be safe, do this. This is the path that everyone has walked. So you'll be fine here. But then there's that, our gut, our intuition, and, you know, that's telling us, hey, what, what if there was more? Could there be more? And I think to find courage is being willing to listen to that voice that's actually your own wisdom inside of you. And, you, you know, people always say, like, oh, don't, you know, does it mean that I just follow my passion? And then when you realize, like, oh, this is just something you can't ignore anymore and it's giving you so much, it's adding so much value to your life, 
such that I, it's, <laughs> I think when you experience it, it's like your whole face will light up. And I felt this whole feeling of like, wow, I think this is something that I want to do. This is something that I meant to do. It was like a calling. Um, and there and then, I decided that no matter what, when the opportunity comes, I'm going to go for it. As I was listening, I couldn't help but wondering, does it always have to be a career or family? Sometimes we are trapped into this either-or thinking. Here's what Sean has to say. Black and white, maybe it doesn't quite cut it for me. I think I feel like I've always lived in the grey zone. Then it comes back to a choice. Do I forsake what I feel called to do to pursue my family and love them? Can't I love them both at the same time? And it's a very powerful word. <laughs> and it's a very powerful word. Yeah. Because we always think either or. To me, it's and. Let's study and bring our family. I get the sense that we can go on and on about this. There simply are too many societal expectations that women have to contend with. Now let's move on. Another one is negative judgment, especially if it's from people that's closest to us. Today, my friend Carrie Phipps is an international speaker and author who inspires leaders and entrepreneurs to connect with confidence. However, she faced this negative judgment from her teacher. My teacher said to me, she was seeing that I was getting jaded and just not engaging towards the end of the year and hanging out with the wrong people again. And, and she said, you'll be the last person in this class to get a job. And it just made me determined Aww. to go get a job. And I just went to businesses with my resume and asked if they needed help. And I got a job on the spot <laughs> with a dental surgery because of my family name, the dentist had known my dad since he was two and um so yeah i was hired instantly because of my family so i went back to tafe the next day and i said i have a job as a dental nurse which everyone thought was so prestigious we actually were paid less than the supermarket staff <laughs> but we yeah we had a job that sounded pretty impressive and it was just um it actually did turn out to be a really good early career choice because there was so much great leadership development in that place. Within a year, I was the most senior nurse and I was um, asked to hire the staff and sometimes have firm conversations. The, uh, the dentists just wanted to do dental work. They wanted me to do the hiring and firing. Shah Nasino is a friend of mine, a highly sought after speaker. Shah inspires fearless possibilities in her audiences. In her free time, she also travels around the world recording music videos as a personal hobby. Everyone around me, my, my friends, my family, out of love and concern told me, Sha, please do us a favor. Please don't sing. But I realized why, why they asked me that. It's because I was tone deaf, Cohen. I couldn't carry a tune. Negative judgment can be quite debilitating. Often, women may be underestimated or overlooked for opportunities even when they have the skills. They fear that if they put themselves up for opportunities, they will be seen as difficult, demanding, or aggressive. This often leads to another common barrier, and that's self-doubts and self-limiting beliefs. Here's another example from Shah. A crazy thing happened. So I attended that 
convention in 2018, right? And then I began to describe myself as a global speaker. So I told my team, okay, let's revamp my social media. Uh, let's put global speaker as one of my uh, one of my descriptions. And then maybe a month later, I told my team, can we delete? <laughs> I was having imposter syndrome. And here's Kerry with another personal anecdote. Then um, I started working in another store, like there was beautiful furniture and home homewares. And um, I didn't know that it was a new business, like only a year old or something. I didn't know that they had a ceiling or just expect, expectations of new people to not sell very much. So I just sell a couple of cushions and that's fine. And I was selling all the big ticket items because I didn't know that, uh, you know, I shouldn't be able to do this. But, <laughs> so, of course, the bosses were delighted. <laughs> they were calling me lounge queen and, um, <laughs> you know, talking about no, making record sales. So they've never given anyone a bonus in their first month, but they're giving me bonuses. And so I went into work the next day and they said, uh, we need to have a meeting and uh, we've decided you're not suitable for the team. So we need your badge and keys immediately. What? <laughs> That was kind of my response because I was riding high. They're just being like celebrating me, you know, the previous day. And it didn't make any sense to me until I learned that there was someone in the team that pushed out anyone who was more successful. So how can women deal with these self-doubts and limiting beliefs holding them back? Here's Shah with her possibility inspiring take. Before you can create your reality, you have to be able to create it in your mind first and believe wow. what that is. So wow. before the companies, before these big companies can invite me to speak in their countries, I have to see it in myself first. I have to see it in myself that my message is worthy and I am worthy to be, be flown to your countries. Yasmin has a similar view. Imagine it in your head before you can see it. And that's where the believability comes into play where you need to be able to see, like, what is my next step to get to where I want to go? Because if I had to tell you the life I live today, the 21-year-old Yasmin, when she wrote it down, would think, like, that is insane. Because I wrote down, I want to build businesses, I want to sell businesses, I want to people. And I'm just like, wait, like, I'm living the life that I had wrote down that I thought was crazy and impossible but it's because I could, in my mind, imagine it and then, like, see it in a sense and then believe that it was possible for me. I remember I had, um, like, um, my leader, Temer, which I love him. He's literally the reason why, like, I ended up in this world. Is he kept on, like, he saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And that's why I'm very big on, like, having in your court the right mentors, hiring the right coaches, because if you do not see it and then you think that you're something, you don't have someone to help you see it differently, it's, it's very different. Another source of self-doubt and limiting beliefs come also from the comparisons with other people. It is easy to say don't compare, but it is technically not possible. Part of our survival as human beings is to know where we are on the social order and to compete for limited resources. Therefore, comparisons are necessary. However, in today's world of always on social media, we are exposed to the habit of portraits 
and therefore we are brainwashed into believing that it is indeed possible to have it all. Women start to think, if she can do it, so can I. Comparing with other people can cause us to feel inadequate. We fear not being good enough. We end up procrastinating, and when we don't get the results that we want, we may even end up condemning ourselves. Adeline Tia is the author of the recently launched book Reinvent 4.0. I always enjoy listening to and learning from Adeline's thoughts on having an agile mindset. When I was much younger, when I first graduated as a young upstart, being ambitious, I always compared myself to not even my peers, people who are ahead of me, right? So I don't run my own race, I run my race according to people's race. So over the years, as I go through different life stage, I became a parent, um, then I realized uh, my perspective changed. Don't look at just climbing the corporate ladder, I have to think of my other roles being a mother, being, being a, a wife, being uh, a sibling, and being a friend. So how can we banish the demons of comparisons? One of my mentors, Melvin So, often tells me, don't compare their highlight reels with your practice reel. This is a very powerful reminder for me to focus on running my own race. Yana has a very insightful take on this as well. So um, when, when I look at someone's business success, the question I always wonder, what was the price? Mm. The person actually had to pay for that. And yeah. there's always the price, one way or another. And so and I look at what this price is. And, and then sort of uh, sometimes it is health, sometimes it is family relationships, Sometimes it is, I don't know, money. Sometimes it is just your own soul. It could be all kind of, you know, things that are happening around. And, and then to me, um, when I choose the work that I want to do and where I'm heading, I'm always just very conscious, how is it going to affect my life? You know, so if I'm going like in this direction and I want to do that, how is it going to affect my family? How is it going to affect my health? And am I willing to pay this price or not? And if not, I don't do that. And, you know, if I still want to do something, then I just try to find a way, like, how do you sort of, you know, how do you find a different way of doing it? So that, that your life is still together and relationship together and you are still, you know, well and sound in your mind and in your body. This reminds me of one of the most powerful books I've read on dealing with comparison. The Undervalued Self by Elaine Aaron. In that book, she touched on the two things that we're constantly doing when we're with people. Ranking or linking. Ranking is comparison, while linking is connecting. When we are comparing, we cannot be connecting. This is a very powerful reframe for me. So instead of comparing, I get curious and understand a little bit more about other people. Mental health is increasingly a common topic today. As you have heard, juggling the various commitments and expectations from people around us while battling self-doubts, inadequacy and judgment of others can get anyone down, not just women. Here are what some women shared. First up, Carrie Phipps. So my psychologist friend actually specialised in working with leaders in burnout. So he had been telling me to slow down, to stop. And, and so in the end, he said, um, you're not doing a thing, like don't 
don't you're not doing anything that is you know taking responsibility for anything <laughs> and um he said you are on the verge of being in hospital for a very long time and so you're going to stop so i was so grateful that he knew what he was talking about and uh although we and he got me to um go to the doctors and get an anti um like a antidepressant <laughs> so i couldn't think of the name and i'm like really <laughs> um and he said yeah the depression secondary to the burnout um but you need to you know rebalance your brain chemicals and um so that was super challenging and then he you know recommended that i just get a couple of days a week work and i really <clears throat> excuse me um just an easy pace what about women in business here's sri jatta so my first start of failure was a big one uh, in fact uh, not only a professional failure but a personal failure as well because uh, you know uh, i was uh, going through uh, because of this failure i was going through depression as well so and that was uh, making me even worse because i was having suicidal thoughts and uh, all such things right so therefore uh, it was a double whammy is what i would call it in fact it was probably triple four times by me because from financial failure personal failure relationship failure uh, professional failure everything was together you know and uh, it was difficult i'll be honest it, it was very difficult to cope with it i mean if if you would have asked me while i was going through the challenges that uh, Uh, how are you feeling now i would have probably uh, banged with a hammer on your head and say how dare you ask me this question don't you know what shit i'm going through right and not to mention the effects of the pandemic on our mental health here's yana i know it sounds maybe in a way almost like a luxury you know but i feel for me it was actually more of a necessity and it's like speaking about mental health i just hit the wall I mean that was in general like I've been a bit claustrophobic since I was a child so I don't tolerate well close environments or close countries and uh, so it has been just very very tough to be uh, like in a small country like Singapore with the lockdowns and uh, so I feel after one year doing it in my mind I was like this is it like I I just can't do it anymore and actually that was the main reason uh, why I left so how can women overcome these challenges to their mental health what helped me was a few things one was the 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 urge to make things right first thing like i mean i had the urge to make things right i had the urge to succeed i had the urge to learn and move forward instead of keep repenting on oh no why did it happen to me why is it to be me always why am i the only one every time going through this kind of things why me why me why me so i didn't stay with why me i moved myself from why me to what can i do to change my situation but it took time it took time but it took a lot of effort and consistent thoughtful effort in the direction where i wanted to move with my resilient mind with the help of people around me changing the way i think about certain challenges and then act and lastly using the right tools that will take me to the next step you know that will take me forward and not throw me backward so these are the ways i i kind of cope with my challenges i personally think an understated characteristic of women is that they are actually very resilient there i say they deal with setbacks better than men
So the commitments and the things that you have to do, it's, it's all in the mind. And there is always a way to, um, to restructure. I remember that very long time ago, I, uh, I did all kinds of programs and trainings in my life as a participant also. And I remember I was attending uh, one of the like a business accelerators program. And uh, so and, and, and the, the leader of the program on the first day just told everyone, okay, so now I want you to think very carefully what kind of life you really would like to have, like how, especially around your business, like how would you like your business to be, how much money you want to make, you know, what do you want to do, sort of like all of this. And so we spent, I remember the first day just doing strategy and planning and, you know, setting all of it in place. And then we came on the next day, then the same guy said, okay, and now I want you to think, imagine if someone just puts a gun to your head and says that they're going to shoot you if you don't figure out how to do it while you're actually spending all the time you want with your family, doing all the travel you want, and in general, living the life of your dreams in terms of hobbies and everything, and you're still accomplishing everything you want to accomplish in your business. So and you have now the full day to think about it. So I still remember that you know exercise. And to be honest, to my greatest surprise in terms of just number of people, every single person figure out how to have both, how to achieve what they wanted to achieve professionally, and at the same time, not to enslave themselves um, into the daily uh, aspects of those commitments and still free time. And here's how women can develop even more agility. Having a growth mindset is, is not enough. You need to have a reinvented mindset uh, to constantly have that thinking that I need to evolve, I need to do, I need to try different skills, I need to then um, you know, immerse myself, apply, integrate, interpret it, and, and apply it in the context. And, and before you know it, you have unconsciously reinvented yourself to something different and to something that's relevant in the new industry. What other mindsets should women learn and adopt? Here's Kim. The biggest challenge is that they don't know how to ask for help. Asking for help can denote as they are weak. So that's another thing that women, like I say, you know, they don't want to be embarrassed. Why am I asking for help? I should be able to do it, you know. Two generations before me, they're all doing it on their own. Why am I not being able to? But of course, society has changed. The demand is very different, right? Two generations ago, most women are housewife. So they are full-time housewife. They are there for everything. But today is a different world. You know, majority of the women are full-time employee or employers and now still have to juggle that. I often say it's not about trying to do work-life balance. It's learning to have work-life integrations, right? And then asking for help is one way to support a woman in their growth, to allow them time. The minute they start to have, they call it the mum guilt, everything falls apart, right? So that is one thing that should, you, we don't want to have. So how do we build on that? You know, constantly reminding women that it's okay to ask for help. To me, one of the observations I've made is that women tend to be quite competitive with each other. In my opinion, that's a pity. I feel that women should be supporting each other. Here's Lillian, Imelda and Kim again. I'm very inspired by um, a quote by Matthew Arnold. He said that if there ever comes a time 
where the women of the world comes together purely and simply for the good of mankind, it will be a force such as the world has never known. Just now you mentioned that women come together, women, you know, in, in, in the past, you know, appear to be competing with each other, cat fights and all that. Yeah. So that, that I want to break that mold. That, that is in the past, you know, women nowadays are, should be looking at how we collaborate with each other, how you recognize and identify each other's strength, bring out the strength in each other, collaborate and become a powerful force together and create something more um, significant, you know, bigger than yourself instead of just competing with each other. And yeah, we should not be a woman's biggest enemy. We should be a woman's best friend because we are a woman. We understand the struggle that we go through, the journey that we go through. Uh, and it's so sad when, a, when the same gender actually push you down. Um, and, and really, it's, it's about the intention. You know? and, and the other thing is also about your own self-perception. You know, if, if, you're, if, if you are naturally jealous, I think everything you see is wrong, including another woman's success. right? But if you are naturally self-confident and you know that different people have different gifts uh, and you are also shining in your own way, right? Why, why discount other people from that, that kind of encouragement? The reason why I, I, I establish She Brilliance, the women that we have comes through the door. The minute they are in an environment, the title, their position lives behind. They come in to help other women. They come in to support. Hence, our mentorship is very open, very personal. I call it befriender rather than mentorship, right? It's about how can we lead. But having said that, out of 300 women that we have, only 50% are ready to step up. The other 50% wow. are too busy with their own life, too busy chasing their own interests. So it, it's still there. It's still a journey to slowly have that conversation. So we have done pretty good to be able to encourage more than 50% to step up to help other women. Now, let us hear some of the highlights of our guests making bold moves in their lives. First up, here's Jessica Fabrizi with her indomitable spirit. So for many, many years, I, was, I always have to tell myself, um, first you do the thing you're scared of, then you get a confidence at a, in a second step, right? So that helped me a lot for a lot of years. What is helping me today is actually this, which you will see. Actually, it's not a tattoo. It's just something that I write with a pen, with a blue pen. So it looks like a tattoo. It says, bold moves, collapse sign, BMCT, right? Because I think also with time, in the sense of time passing in your life, you know, reaching a certain age, I'm 41 and a half as we speak, I think that you appreciate time much more and you don't want to waste it. But uh, in general, when I see that there is an opportunity to actually collapse time and move things and change people's lives and animals' lives and so on, then I just do it. So I really try to focus on that. So it's a combination of routines and bold moves. And this is really where you can collapse time, right? And you can get things done and you can change things for yourself and for the others. So I think that is, at the moment, the biggest source of my courage, Cohen. And women can also have the courage to put their hands up and create new opportunities, as Adeline shares. When I learned human-centered design thinking, I could see that firstly it was a skill that uh, is in demand. You need to have good, you know, design thinking skills because it helps to uncover customer insights. So when I got myself certified, I put up my hand uh, to my boss, say, "Hey, I want to facilitate some ideation workshop." And obviously, he's he's more than happy, right? Because I'm adding value. Uh, this up 
outside of my job. So adding value to the organization. So in my previous role, uh, when the, again, when I was working for a bank, I was one of the internal coaches. That was something that I do pro bono. So when you're working in the organization, volunteer yourself for jobs that is outside your job scope. Obviously, you need to do your job well. Learning to let go also requires boldness too. And that was at the very peak, actually, uh, when I decided to pause it and then eventually kind of move, you know, aside. And the reason why I did it, because I felt it was not aligned with who I am as a human being. And so it took me, it, it was a big decision to make sort of like, you know, what do you do with the career that goes amazingly well, but you feel that's not who you are. Wow. And, you know, and then I felt, well, you, you have to pull the plug sooner or later. So if you do it sooner, it's a bit easier because the damage control is a bit less, right? If, if I were to stay another maybe five, 10 years and moved in an entirely different direction, it is harder to do that. And I felt that I want to do something which is like fully aligned with my soul and fully aligned with who I am and fully aligned with my mission. Ah, my heart is so full. I hope you're taking away tons of values from the sharings so far. I really hope you've enjoyed this special International Women's Month episode of the Wholehearted Podcast. Women have played a big part in my life and I identify as being a women champion. I believe that when men and women stand together to support women to shine in their most beautiful light, the world will be a much better place. So let me know your thoughts and comments on this episode and all other episodes of this podcast. I always enjoy reading posts on social media regarding the podcast or personal emails, messages that listeners send to me. It encourages me to continue with this good work. Till the next episode, stay wholehearted. Thanks for being part of this heartwarming conversation today. If you've enjoyed the show as much as I have creating it for you, I really appreciate it if you can leave a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. And while you're there, why not subscribe to the channel so you won't miss a future episode. To the next episode, stay wholehearted.